to the HR Grapevine podcast, the podcast series that takes an in-depth look at one of the most fascinating, important or divisive HR topics that is making the headlines. I'm Sophie Parrott, online editor at HR Grapevine, and each week I'll be joined by a different HR journalist as we explore the contemporary practice and most pressing debates in HR. So we properly pick apart what it means to work in the people function. Today, I'm joined again by Dan Cave, Head of Content at Executive Grapevine Digital Media. So welcome back to the podcast, Dan. It's a pleasure to be joined by you again for today's discussion. Pleasure to be invited back, Sophie. And once again, I'm joining you from the sunlit uplands of the corner of my bedroom. Sounds ideal. Between February 8th and February 14th, it is National Apprenticeship Week, and the topic of apprentices is under the spotlight once again, you know, shining a light on the work being done by both employers and employees around the country. According to prospects.ac.uk, on an apprenticeship, the person is employed to do a job while studying, studying for a qualification, which is usually for one day a week, either at college or a training centre. By the end of the apprenticeship, the person should have the relevant skills or knowledge to pursue their career or go on to the next level of their apprenticeship. And there are lots of companies out there that have been known to take on apprentices. For example, some of the well-known brands offering apprenticeships, according to a Cosmopolitan article, included Virgin Media, McDonald's, Barclays, Costa Coffee and the telecommunications firm BT. So there really are a range of companies in different sectors that are offering apprenticeships. In fact, in a recent interview with HR Grapevine, Anne Potterton, who is the head of apprenticeships at BT Group, said that the firm has used apprenticeships as a platform to hire, develop and retain top talent for more than 60 years. So she said as a company, they have a lot of experience in this area. And according to Anne, one of the major benefits to apprentices is that they bring in fresh ideas and new perspectives to the organisation, which she said is truly valuable for the organisation. And in addition to this, Anne explained to me, At BT, we use apprenticeships to help us grow our talent in areas where we have identified future skills gaps, such as digital and cybersecurity. We also have a very high retention rate, with many apprentices staying and progressing throughout the company many years after their apprenticeship comes to an end. And in addition to this, before the podcast, I was lucky enough to speak to Julie Harris, who is an L&D business partner, operations and early careers at Premier Foods, who told me that apprenticeships are a great way to develop people whilst learning on the job, and they can also apply their skills and knowledge directly to that role. And she explained, they help us keep up to date with new learning methods, technologies, and feed our talent pipeline. This is especially effective in the critical STEM areas, as well as cases where we have an older workforce at some of the manufacturing sites. The structure of an apprenticeship makes it an appealing and accessible option, meaning we are able to attract new talent to those parts of the business and keep developing our teams. By offering an apprenticeship program, we can provide a structured, interesting, and collaborative process for new starters to join our business and enter the fascinating world of the food industry. So, you know, two different firms that have talked about the different types of benefits of apprenticeships, both for the individuals and the business. And actually, something that was quite interesting, before the podcast, we ran a poll over on HR Grapevine's LinkedIn page to find out how many of our readers and listeners currently employ apprentices at their organisation. 52% responded saying that they did, with 48% saying that they didn't. So really interesting figures there. 
So for the 48% that didn't, they might have the concern that they might not be able to fund it or get the cash in place to hire or train an apprentice. And even for the 52% that do, they might be looking at different ways of funding an apprentice. So, Soph, could you explain a little bit more of the different ways in which apprenticeships are funded? Yes, well, moving on to the apprenticeship levy, which is a levy on UK employers to fund apprenticeships that was rolled out by the government a few years back. The levy consists of a UK tax on employers which can be used to fund apprenticeship training. In January 2021, the Department for Education and Education and Skills Funding Agency published a paper which was titled Providing Apprenticeships During the Coronavirus Outbreak. It explained that HM Treasury currently have no plans to pause the collection of the apprenticeship levy due to the impact of the coronavirus crisis. It also explained that following the Prime Minister's announcement of a new national lockdown earlier in January, training providers, employers and endpoint assessment organisations must ensure that assessment and training takes place remotely wherever this is possible. Despite this, the paper went on to explain that face-to-face training and assessment can continue in colleges and in the premises of training providers for vulnerable young apprentices and the children of key workers. In addition to this, face-to-face training and assessment can also continue in employers' COVID-secure settings where it is essential for staff to attend their places of work and, of course, where this is safe and practical to do so. Elsewhere, the government is saying that endpoint assessments and functional skills assessments can continue in educational and workplace settings where it cannot be done remotely. So it does seem the government are keen for apprenticeships to continue. I think it's important now to look at how the pandemic has specifically impacted apprentices and apprenticeships. So Dan, can you give us a bit of a rundown of how it has affected apprenticeships? Yeah, sure, Soph. And I guess thanks for that rundown of how funding works for apprenticeships, what employees can access, as well as some of the practicalities and assessment practicalities as well because that's important in apprenticeship during coronavirus but it's good to look at the difference between what the government is saying regards apprenticeships during coronavirus and actually what is the lived experiences of apprentices and organizations on the ground the top line of this is that there appears to have been a dramatic fall in apprenticeship starters so in may 2020 a few months into the impact of the pandemic in the UK last year, there was a year year on year fall of 60% in apprenticeship starters, which is really, really dramatic. However, it is important to note that the amount of people starting apprenticeships anyway was appearing to drop off in a couple of years prior as well. So it's just exaggerated that pattern. You talked about funding briefly there. It's likely that funding for the apprenticeship levy is likely to be less, as in there's a less big pot, as the cutoff point to have to fund the levies if you have a wage bill or pay bill of three million pounds and there's going to be companies that are dipping under this now or have gone under completely so can't fund that um there's also it's well it is also worthwhile looking at specific industries impacted by the coronavirus so often the most popular areas to do apprenticeships in and this is from 2018-19 government data were front-facing or can't be done remotely. So it's going to cut that amount of opportunity 
or at least not allow the apprenticeship to get the full experience of that work if it can only be done in a central location. So some some of the most popular areas to do apprenticeships in were adult and social care, hair care or the hair profession, retail, hospitality and catering. These basically industries, some of them that have been hardest hit by the coronavirus, again, which has a follow on impact for apprenticeships. In fact, a study by Small Business Prices shows that certain industries are actually having less people start apprenticeships because of the coronavirus pandemic. Again, health and social care saw the biggest drop in in apprenticeship starters due to the pandemic. But but it's not all front-facing as well. Business management saw it, child development. So again, there are businesses that aren't front-facing or that you might expect are the hardest hit that are not taking a chance on apprenticeships or apprentices deciding actually it's not the time to go into this type of training. I think it's also important to look at the demographics of who is likely to start an apprenticeship and then look at whether they're likely to have been hit hard regards job opportunities and training because of the pandemic too. So 2018-2019 government data shows that 19 to 25 year olds make up the majority of apprenticeships and it is this group younger workers that have been found to time and time again been hit hardest by the pandemic regards job losses lack of employment opportunities lack of training opportunities things from they're just not being hired because companies have put hiring on ice or they're losing access to training for some of the skills that you'd get by by working in a central location there's also a look at some types of people that do the apprenticeship. So people who are classified as disabled or have learning difficulties, they made, made up just before 2020, 12% of people starting apprenticeships. Now, there's no data at the moment that says how far this group has dropped off in terms of starting apprenticeships now. But it's, it's important to note that people in this category might be some of the people that are most vulnerable to coronavirus and may not be able to access all the elements of a traditional apprenticeship during the coronavirus times. Similarly, BAME workers may make up a, or the BAME group rather, made up 12% of apprenticeship starters in 2018-2019. And we all know that this is another hard hit group by the coronavirus pandemic. It'd be very interesting to see stats here regards if the level has dropped because of the coronavirus pandemic, showing that the BAME group aren't taking up apprenticeships or aren't being hired to do apprenticeships in as big numbers because of the pandemic. At the moment, that information doesn't exist, but I'd be really, really interested to see it. Of course, as well, things like furlough are going to have hit apprentices. You can furlough an apprentice. Some companies, again, this is just a hypothetical, might consider that often because they're on the lowest rung of the company or just starting out on their training journey, they might not be essential and they need more senior workers during this time. So that could impact their development as well. The Sutton Trust, who are an organisation interested in social mobility in the UK, found that actually a lot of the apprenticeships or apprentices that are are still doing their apprenticeship are now being moved to having online learning, which is great. That's a great stopgap. It's a great sticking plaster. But we know that can potentially cut apprenticeships off from crucial in-organisation support and learning opportunities that you can only get face-to-face. It's another way that apprentices can potentially be hit. So what's the conclusion of how hard apprentices and apprenticeships have been have been hit 
by the coronavirus pandemic. Well, that year-on-year drop-off means that it doesn't look good, but it is currently unclear if apprenticeship uptake will bounce back as wage bills do, as companies have a bit more certainty, say if the vaccination program does do the things for the economy that it's intended to do. And also, and I'm putting my optimistic hat on here, employers are increasingly going to be looking for cost-effective ways to get their skills. And apprenticeships, we all know, can be this. It's it's a cost-effective way of getting talent and loyal talent into the firm. It's just unclear at the moment whether this will be a long-term impact on the take-up of apprenticeships. Again, it appeared to be slightly tailing off before the pandemic anyway. So as Dan explained, while it may not look good currently, apprenticeships are a good way for organisations to source future talent for an organisation. So if there are fewer people taking on apprenticeships, then it could have a negative impact in two ways. So on the employer side, having fewer apprentices could deprive companies of new talent for the future, which could mean that employers are missing out on fresh ideas and diverse perspectives. And as Anne from BT referred to earlier, bringing in fresh ideas and perspectives is something that employers can really benefit from. On the employee apprentice side, this could also have an adverse impact if apprentices are not picking up valuable workplace skills. Um, In a previous interview with HR Grapevine last year, Alex MK, who's the operations and people director at LGBT plus publisher Pink News, said that having apprenticeships or internships are really, really valuable because they can plug resource gaps and upskill new talent. At the same time, it gives the apprentices good paid experience and a strong name to include on their CV which will help them with their early career. So as I've shown from both sides, if there are fewer people taking on apprenticeships amid the pandemic, it could have adverse effects for both employers and apprenticeships. So in that instance, what can be done to mitigate this? Yeah, it's a difficult situation, isn't it, Soph? And I guess, as I alluded to previously, many companies are streamlining to get through this period and are turning to experienced staff. Um, and we know from the data they're not turning to younger hires or they're not relying on their younger workforce, many being furloughed, if that is an option. With the economy massively hit too, if we break that down into what that means, it means businesses likely have lower wage bills or they're not doing as well as they previously have done. So levy funding will also suffer, which is one way to partially fund getting an apprentice in. So how can companies mitigate this and also mitigate against the knock-on effect it will have for their ability to get skills. One way is about mindset at the top of the business. It's about seeing apprentices or apprenticeships as a way to either retrain the current workforce or get new skills into the business in a cost-effective manner. It's also a way to mitigate against that uncertainty, which is, we all know, a, a leading business concern now apprenticeships can be a way of getting skills into the business that are needed not just for the next six months but in five years time in ten years time so it's about understanding what apprenticeships can do for you as a firm if the company has apprentices in already one way to mitigate the impact on their learning and therefore their usefulness to the firm in the medium term is trying to roll out digital L&D as a, as a self or a sticking plaster, as I said before, but also making sure that as a company, you're, you're creating those virtual networks to replicate in-person networks as well as possible to ensure that they're picking up some of the all-important softer skills and connections that will make them a useful asset for the company in years to come. And also 
there's, I think there's a well-being point there as well to ensure that they don't feel cast aside or disconnected, which is which is super important. It's also important, and not just from a business perspective, but from a moral perspective too, to consider diversity and inclusion, looking at the ethnic, gender, and able-bodied makeup of your potential apprentices that you're having already and see who maybe who you're following or letting go all the hires that you intend to make on future we all know the pandemic has had an unequal impact on certain groups and it's good to show that you're not unintentionally cutting people out of learning training or hiring opportunities because of that again that has a massive impact not just on those individuals but on the you know the business viability of your firm in the long term but also your brand too, which is increasingly important to HR. Well, Dan has touched upon lots of different ways that this can be mitigated. But unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. HR Grapevine wouldn't exist without your continued readership and engagement with our content. Whether that's our daily newsletters, monthly magazines, webinars, live events, or market lead and research papers. So to find out more or to sign up to our daily content newsletter, which showcases solutions and best practice answers to all of your HR issues, please visit hrgrapevine.com.